Thank you. Please be seated. All right, we are, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we're on the record on case CR 22211624, State of Idaho versus Lori Noreen Vallow. At this time, we have scheduled a jury instruction conference with counsel, the parties having both rested. I'll note on the record that earlier today, the court conducted an informal conference with the parties uh, out as a, it, we did take a stenographic record of those proceedings and that was an informal jury instruction conference. We are now going on the record to uh, look at final argument as to the proposed jury instructions. The prosecution's here present. The defense as well as the defendant is present in the courtroom. The jury is not present for these proceedings. The court would indicate the existing courtroom conduct orders are still in effect for this hearing as well as the viewing locations and in this courtroom. At this time then, uh, let me just inquire. We did redraft and sent the most updated version of jury instructions to counsel over the lunch break. I believe they've been received and we'll go through them uh, each at a time on the record. Did the state receive the new updated version of the jury instructions? Yes, Your Honor. All right. Has the defense received those as well? Yes. All right. Counsel, I'll note also we do have a draft version of the uh, verdict form as well, which was just provided to counsel in paper copy. So at this time, we'll take up the instructions themselves. I'll note that the instructions 1 through 10 have previously been provided and read to the jurors. Those will be included in the jury instructions that will be provided to the jurors tomorrow morning. The court will go through and reread some of those instructions to be determined by the court uh, as we go forward with the new instructions. So we'll take up starting at instruction number 11. And I'll just call through each of these on the record and indicate whether there's any objections or not. So on jury instruction number, what is now number 11, does the state have any objection to that as instruction as included in the draft? No, Your Honor, we do not. From the defense? No objection. All right, instruction 11 will be given. Jury instruction number 12, any objection from the state? No objection as to number 12. For the defense? Your Honor, Your Honor, we had previously brought up that some of the evidence or some of the exhibits are not evidence. I think uh, jury instruction, the following one, number 13, may cover that. But if the language in jury instruction number 12 needed to reflect that was our request. All right, the courts considered that request that some of the exhibits were for a limited purpose. The court does have an instruction on number 15 that addresses that. 
Uh, I did consider that objection and will overrule it. So instruction number 12, as it's been submitted, is going to be uh, supplied by the court. Jury instruction number 13. Your Honor, the state would suggest one change to the last sentence. Uh, the defendant may be found guilty or not guilty on either or both of the offenses charged. I think we would suggest that be changed to any or all of the offenses since there are more than two charged. All right. Uh, response to that from the state? That, that makes sense since there's more than two charges. Okay, that's a good catch. Thanks, Council. We will amend jury instruction number 13 to conform with uh, multiple charges here, so we'll get an amended version of that, which will not say um, either or both, so we'll correct that language. Thank you, Council. Jury instruction number 14. The state has no objection to 14. On jury instruction 14, we proposed language to clearly identify what the court is talking about here. We proposed language um, that would, uh, this evidence includes uh, incidents in Arizona, including Charles Vallow, Brandon Bedreau, and 404B evidence. Since that's what this instruction is referring to, we thought it uh, a further explanation would assist the jury. All right. Uh, does the state have a response to that? Your Honor, I think the state had previously indicated, and our position would be that adding that additional information may only confuse the jurors. The state's recollection and understanding is some of the evidence that came in regarding those individuals did not fall under 404B. While we recognize some did and probably the majority, I think the court gave appropriate instructions throughout. And if anything, only a mention to those instructions given by the court. I believe those may be covered further in the jury instructions, but we believe the appropriate instructions have been given and 14 as drafted would be the least confusing mechanism for the jury to receive this instruction. All right. Thank you, Ms. Blake. The court has considered the uh, comment from both the defense and the state. After the informal conference this morning, we did add a sentence into this instruction, which is the sec second sentence that states, at the time this evidence was introduced, you were advised of its limited purpose. I think with that reference back to the advisement that occurred in court, as well as the remainder of this being a standard jury instruction that uh, the court views as properly defining limited evidence as it relates to 404B, that continuing or ongoing objection will be overruled. And so this jury instruction number 14 is going to be uh, given as it's indicated here in the draft. All right, on jury instruction number 15, I will note that we went in and uh, took out three of the listed exhibits, which were summary exhibits, not demonstrative, and made that amendment during the uh, since the last conference. And so with that in mind, does the state have any objection to 15 as, it's in, as it states now? No, Your Honor, no objection. From the defense? No objection. All right, 15 will be given. 
instruction number 16. Any objection from the state? The state has no objection. From the defense? Since, since there was a another instruction on aiding and abetting, uh, we asked the court to consider the other language of aiding and abetting. And since they may be uh, not defined the same, we will lodge an objection. All right, does the state have any response to that objection? Yes, Your Honor. I do not see this jury instruction as providing a definition for aiding and abetting. I think that is provided in a later jury instruction. While I recognize that language is included here, there is no definition that the state sees as being provided. So we think the jury instruction should stand as is and let aiding and abetting be defined later on. All right, the court's considered the objection, and I will overrule that and allow for this instruction to be provided uh, as there is going to be subsequent definition of aiding and abetting uh, within the substantive instructions. So jury instruction number 16 will be, uh, will be given. Jury instruction number 17. Any objection from the state? No objection from the state. No objection, Your Honor. Thank you. 17 will be given. Instruction number 18. Any objection on that from the state? No objection from the state. From the defense? No objection. Very well. 18 will be given to the jurors. Jury instruction number 19, response from the state. The state has no objection, Your Honor. All right, and I will note on that one there were some revisions made as well uh, on the break as accounting for the description of the crimes and the conspiracy charges. Uh, Mr. Archibald, upon review of that, does the defense have any objection to the way it's now written? As it's alleged in the indictment, uh, the grand jury combined first-degree murder and grand theft by deception into one count. That's uh, count one, and then both charges combined in count three. I think the way jury instruction number 19 reads is that the, the, the jury in this case, should consider those crimes separately. We've previously objected to that, that the 
and we previously asked the court to send the indictment back to the grand jury for clarification if it was one crime or two crimes. And so we believe jury instruction 19 does not accurately reflect how my client was indicted by the grand jury. All right. Does the state have a response to the defense objection on 19? Yes, Your Honor. In looking at 19, there is a breakdown of counts 1 and 3, which included the crimes of first-degree murder and grand theft by deception, and then it references count 5, which is just an agreement to commit first-degree murder. Looking at the language moving forward, I don't have the same concern as defense. I don't see how there's any confusion with regard to what crimes are charged within each count. So I believe the way that it's written now would comply with the standard ICJs and be appropriate, and I don't see it as being confusing, indicating they don't need to agree upon every detail, and then defining or talking about how an agreement can be established. So we would request that it remain as written. All right. The court did modify this instruction after the informal conference when the defense raised a concern about the conjunctive, well, having murder and grand theft by deception together and whether that was a crime singular or crime plural in order to resolve any confusion that could result. The court went back to the language of the indictment itself, now the amended indictment, and took the actual language out of there indicating that on counts 1 and 3, it is crimes of first-degree murder and grand theft by deception. So with that clarification, the court will keep this jury instruction as now modified and overrule the objection of the defense, so jury instruction number 19 will be given. Jury instruction number 20 from the state, any objection? No objection from the state. For the defense? No objection. 20 will be given. Instruction 21 from the state? I apologize, Your Honor. No objection from the state. No objection. All right. 21 will be given. Instruction 22? No objection from the state. For the defense? No objection. Okay. 22 will come in. 23? No objection from the state. For the defense? No objection. All right. That one will be provided. Instruction 24 for the state? No objection, Your Honor. For the defense? No objection. Very well. Instruction 25, I'll note this is one that was modified after objections were lodged, and with the new instruction, let me first hear from the state. Is there any objection to instruction 25 as it's now written? No objection, Your Honor. For the defendant? Our previous objection was to the addition of the federal agency or United States of America, so we'll stand by that objection. 
Okay. I'll note the instruction initially did not contain that federal agency or United States of America language. The court considered that objection and it was added in, uh, again, looking at the amended indictment as it's charged and relating to who person would be defined of, uh, within the theft offenses charged. The court finds it appropriate to include that information based on the request of the state. So the objections overruled and instruction 25 will be provided. Number 26 from the state. No objection, Your Honor. For the defense. No objection. All right, that one will come in. Number 27. No objection from the state. Uh, for the defense. Your Honor, this jury instruction number 27 uh, was a subject of the amended indictment uh, with different code sections and different different definitions of theft. Um, so where there's been some confusion on whether my client is charged with intent to deceive or intent to deprive, uh, we lodge an objection. Okay, what's the response from the state? Your Honor, the state's response is this is in compliance with the standard Idaho proposed jury instructions. Um, it also, regardless of which code section it's charged under, theft would always include the wrongful taking, obtaining, or withholding of property from the owner of another. The difference would be potentially by which means that was done. But given the court's ruling on that and the language reflected in the indictment, as well as the evidence that came in, we feel that this does conform in all aspects. All right, I've considered the objection on uh, jury instruction number 27 as it relates to how the amended indictment now reads. The court does find that's an appropriate instruction that will assist the jurors in applying the law to the facts of this case. So jury instruction number 27 will be provided. Jury instruction number 28. The state has no objection. All right, and this is a long instruction. If you need a moment to continue to look at that, Mr. Archibald, you may. Jury instruction number 28, uh, the defense lodged an objection due to the language in this instruction not mirroring the indictment from the grand jury. The indictment from the grand jury, uh, the defense had requested that it be sent back to the grand jury for clarification, and this is the and this is now reflecting that issue, that the jury instruction uh, tries to clarify what the grand jury uh, could not. So we believe that that's improper for the court to fix the grand jury's errors. The uh, Some of the errors 
uh, are contained in paragraph three, where the uh, and or language has been added. That's not what the grand jury indicted my client on. The grand jury indicted Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell and Alex Cox and other co-conspirators. This jury instruction now says Lori with Chad and or Alex. So it's giving the state of Idaho more options in their charging, uh, giving the jury more options to convict that the grand jury did not indict my client on. Um, also in paragraph four, the grand jury described murder and grand theft as one charge. Again, the defense asked the indictment be sent back to the grand jury for clarification, and that request was denied. So we're stuck with murder and grand theft being one crime, not multiple crimes, in paragraph four. In paragraph five, we believe this misstates the crime. Uh, paragraph 5 of jury instruction number 28 says uh, the defendant intended that at least one of the crimes would be committed. Again, we believe the grand jury indicted the defendant uh, on one crime called murder and grand theft. And so uh, because of those errors, we don't think that the, that this court should uh, fix those errors at a jury instruction uh, conference. So that's why we're objecting to jury instruction number 28. All right. Um, considered those objections, I'd like to hear a response from the state. Thank you, Your Honor. And I'll try to take them through the way defense did because there were a couple different sections identified there. So first, looking at number three, I think adding the and or clearly comports with the evidence presented. It's also, this is clearly a conspiracy charge, and in an earlier instruction, it specifically says an agreement between one or more persons does not require multiple persons to enter into that agreement. So considering that it comports with the crime of conspiracy as well as the evidence presented, I think that that is well within the court's uh, discretion to do that and that it would be appropriate as well as complying with standard jury instructions. Looking at number four, I don't see the same issue there that defense is pointing out. It clearly says to commit the crimes of murder in the first degree of Tylee Ryan and grand theft by deception. I don't see where those are separated out differently. I think the and is there. So I think that is written appropriately, and I'm not sure of the objection there. With regard to uh, number five, I think that absolutely comports with the standard Idaho standard jury instruction. Again, I think it comports with evidence presented in this case and is appropriate. However, we would leave five within the discretion of the court to, for the court to make the determination, but we believe that they are appropriate as written and comply and comport with evidence and the Idaho standard jury instructions. All right, thank you, Ms. Blake. This one, um, in, on paragraph three, where it <clears throat> has an and or, I will agree with the 
state on that that um, there are other instructions that cover that and the nature of a conspiracy where someone can, for example, enter later on. I think the evidence presented and the way it was charged in this case, it does not have the and or language in the information, which I considered, but also looking at the evidence that came about, and it does list all three people as co-conspirators, um, Lori Noreen Vallow, Chad Daybell, and Alex Cox. I think that given the other instructions that clarify how a conspiracy can be entered into, uh, perhaps at different times, and also looking at the evidence of this case, that it would be appropriate to allow the jurors to consider the and or uh, element of that as it relates to this charge. The paragraph four, I think, does comport with the way the indictment now reads and has read that it is a crime charge, a first degree murder and grand theft, and so it's got that conjunctive in there, combining them together essentially by using the word and. On five, I do wonder if, because of the way it is charged, it wouldn't be more appropriate for it to read that the defendant intended that and take out at least one of and have it read the defendant intended that the crimes would be committed. Um, so if I remove the at least one of language, that I think may assist the defense, at least in terms of their addressing that uh, question of whether or not this provides an option that's not contained in the charging document. Um, I'm not entirely sure I want to remove that or not, but I'd like to hear some further commentary if you think that would be an appropriate way to amend that to more accurately reflect. Um, Mr. Archibald, any thoughts on that? If it read the defendant intended that the crimes would be committed, as to just paragraph five, understanding you maintain your other objections, um, would that resolve that issue on five? Yes. I think that if we uh, struck at least one of, uh, because the way that it's charged, uh, it needs to be both. So the defendant intended that the crimes... Again, I've, crimes plural. I think the way that the grand jury uh, charged it, they they called first degree murder and grand theft one crime, um, and so uh, so the if paragraph five reads the defendant intended that the crime would be committed. All right. Uh, any further response on that from the state? Your Honor, I think given the nature of the defense's concern and maybe even what sounds like the court's concern, while the state does believe that this complies with the standard jury instructions and that I think there is other language contained in the instructions regarding there doesn't have to be agreement as to every element or every act taken, and given the concerns, the state would defer to the court on this. Again, we think it complies, but we would just defer to the court's discretion. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Blake. Uh, the court is going to amend that paragraph 5, so the at least one of language will come out. It will still say crimes, 
plural, not singular, so it will read the defendant intended that the crimes would be committed and will amend 28 to reflect that. Um, beyond that, any other further objections or comments on 28 from the defense? No, Your Honor. Okay. We will move on then to 29. And the state has no objection to 29. All right. From the defense. to instruction number 29. Very well. Instruction 29 will be provided. Instruction number 30. I'll just note here um, this instruction in many ways tracks instruction 28 that we just went through. So the court is going to, on paragraph 5 of 30, uh, using the same logic that was on 28, take out the at least one of, and it will read, so f paragraph 5 will read, the defendant intended that the crimes would be committed. And so with that amendment, um, I'll hear from the state whether you've got any objections to that or any other part of this. And, Your Honor, I think we have the exact same comments on this that we would have on jury instruction 28. I'm anticipating the similar objections by defense. The state stands by our arguments that were previously put on the record. I think they are appropriate. Okay. Uh, from the defense, do you also incorporate the same argument she had on 28? Y yes, Your Honor. That paragraph 3 uh, does not appropriately reflect what my client was indicted on and Paragraph 5 uh, as well misstates what we believe the law is. So uh, those are our objections to instruction number 30. All right. Uh, for the same rationale as indicated in 28, I'll overrule those other objections. I will make the amendment to paragraph 5, uh, taking out that at least one of the, or at least one of uh, language. And the other objections are overruled, so 30 will be amended in conformity with that and be provided. Instruction number 31. And, Your Honor, just briefly on instruction number 30, just so that it mirrors 28, on that number 5, I know the court has indicated we're going to take out at least one of on this one, there's an S in brackets, and on the last one, there is no S in brackets. The state doesn't care which way it's written, but just if we want to be consistent. 
Okay, and I'll t intend to make that consistent, and it, it will read crimes without the bracket on the S. All right, let's look at uh, 31 next. The state does not have any objection to 31. Instruction number 31, uh, we had brought to the court's attention that, that the way this jury instruction reads is not how the grand jury indicted her. And in counts two and four, the way my client was indicted says that as, a, as part of a common scheme or plan or continuing criminal transaction between Madison and Fremont counties was concerned in the commission of a first-degree murder and did aid and abet in its commission or not being present advised and encouraged its commission or by command compelled another to commit the crime and did so with malice of forethought and did so willfully deliberately and with premeditation so the way jury instruction number 31 reads, uh, the defendant engaged in conduct or did aid, abet, advise, counsel, or procure another to engage in conduct which caused the death of J.J. Vallow with malice aforethought and the murder was willful, deliberate, and premeditated. So my client was indicted uh, as part of a common scheme or plan or continuing criminal transaction. That's not contained in jury instruction 31. Uh, the word counsel in jury instruction number 31 was not part of her indictment. Procure another is not, that's contained in jury instruction 31, is not part of her indictment. So we believe the court in jury instruction number 31 is, is instructing this jury com completely different than how the grand jury indicted her. 
that would uh, these arguments would also go then to uh, the previous count two in the indictment or uh, instruction. Uh, 29. 29. Okay. All right, so the, um, paraphrasing here, but the defense has raised an objection, and now I'm addressing the state that I recognize there's um, Idaho Criminal Jury Instruction 704A, which is the standard instruction for first-degree murder, malice aforethought, contains certain language in that, and they are objecting based on differing language contained in the indictment. So how does the state respond to that disparity between the language of the indictment and the language of the standard malice aforethought jury instruction? Thank you, Your Honor. With regard to the first part, the common scheme or plan or continuing criminal transaction between Madison and Fremont counties in Idaho, the state's position would be that was a preliminary issue regarding venue uh, in order to have both counties as a potential place where the crime was committed when the actual element is to prove within the state of Idaho. So that was a preliminary issue dealing with venue and I do not believe is a required element to be proven so would not be included on jury instructions. So that's the state's response with regard to that. The second part, we would argue that this does comport with the standard Idaho criminal jury instructions, and it is the language contained under the statute for which Ms. Vallow is currently charged with regard to the language comes from the principal statute under the Idaho Code and then is attached to the crime of first-degree murder as a principal to first-degree murder. So the language is contained within the statute, and the language does comport with the Idaho standard criminal jury instructions. All right. Well, um, I, in terms of the first objection as the common scheme or plan or continuing criminal transaction, I'll overrule that objection based on the argument of the state that that goes more towards venue than uh, any other substantive element of the crime. The second part of the objection, I had seen this and thought about it, and upon hearing argument, I do think there's a further concern that needs to be discussed about some language that is in the standard instruction but not in the indictment, and that is the terms counsel and procure, because the indictment talks about advised, encouraged, or by command compelled another. Uh, doesn't have any counsel or procure language, and I guess I'd like to hear a response from the state as to whether it would be appropriate to include those terms uh, when they're not in the indictment. Yes, Your Honor, and I was just comparing the exact language of the indictment with the language in the jury instruction. So we do have the did aid and abet, which is contained in both. We do have the not being present advised and encouraged its commission. So I guess I, if we are going to make the changes, I would recommend or, or propose that 
it be changed to advise and encourage its commission. Then we do have or by command compelled another to commit the crime. And so I think if the court were to consider taking out counsel or procured, then we would ask that the language be modified to have it be advised and or encouraged its commission or by command compelled another to commit the crime and include that in here. Uh, because I do think when we have procure another, I think that is essentially synonymous with commanding or compelling another to do it. If the court wanted to change the language to reflect the indictment, I think we could do that. But we would object to it just being completely taken out. And I think the council is covered by encouraging its commission. So I think if you counsel or encourage another, I think those could also be synonymous. But again, if the court is to modify it, we would ask that we include those additional terms then. All right. Any final argument as to those terms uh, from the defense? No, Your Honor. Okay. On instruction number 31, then the court is going to take those arguments under advisement. And if any further edits are made to that, changing the instruction will advise counsel and consider the matter submitted. The court will uh, determine whether or not there should be some modification based on the arguments as it relates to paragraph 3 of instruction number 31 and also incorporating that same rationale and the objection made on 29. Uh, the court may also consider editing paragraph 3 of 29 for the same reason that's been raised by the defense. So uh, if it's changed, we'll advise counsel before the final jury instructions are given to the jurors. All right, let's move on then to instruction number 32. The state has no objection. Mr. Archibald. I do see an edit. I'm going to make counsel on paragraph four that to commit the crimes of, um, we will make that a singular crime. I think that was a carryover from the other conspiracy counts. So in instruction number 32, uh, we previously objected to paragraph 3. The indictment indicates uh, Chad, Daybell, Lori Vallow, and Alex Cox. Uh, paragraph 3 in this instruction says Lori Vallow, Chad, Daybell, and or Alex Cox. So we believe that uh, this instruction gives uh, more options uh, for conviction as to other than how she was indicted. So the and or language as proposed by the state, we believe, is not reflective in the indictment. The uh, indictment contains language as part of a continuing uh, 
transaction, common scheme or plan, did willfully and knowingly combine, conspire, confederate. That language is not in, included in instruction number 32. Did combine or conspire to commit murder. That language is not in instruction number 32. So, again, we're concerned that the court is simplifying uh, the matter for the jury in this case, where the, the grand jury uh, did have some, some additional language. Uh, and we had previously asked for the indictment to be sent back for clarification. That request was denied. So we think, likewise, this court should should not, in essence, grant that at this time. Okay. I've considered those objections. And let me hear a response from the state, if you would, Ms. Blake. Thank you, Your Honor. And before I respond, just briefly, in looking at this again on 6B, it appears that it has September with a large I, I or a Roman numeral 1. I don't know if we want to change that to the standard. That would be the number one? Yes, the number one. It was probably put in as a Roman numeral or... Okay. Um, I think that's a clerical mistake we can correct on 6B to make that September 1. I just didn't want to forget. And then with regard to the response, as the state has previously indicated on that and or, it does comport with the evidence submitted in this trial. It comports with also the previous instruction given regarding a conspiracy and that it can be one or more persons. So we do believe that that is an appropriate jury instruction with regard to that and or in response to defense's position that this does not contain all of the language from the indictment. It would be the state's position that this does comport with the Idaho standard criminal jury instruction. In addition, there was mention that it may be oversimplifying. It would be the state's position. Part of jury instructions would be to simplify or make things not confusing for the jurors. And where it does comport with the standard jury instruction and it comports with evidence presented, I think it would be an appropriate, appropriate instruction to be given as written. So for those reasons, the state would ask that it remain as in its current form. All right. I've considered the objections there um, on the and or language as has been previously ruled on the counts one and three conspiracy counts. The court does find that the additional instruction relating to conspiracy would allow for the and or language, although that's not what's in the information, or I'm sorry, the indictment. It does comport with evidence that was presented in the case, as well as the uh, laws it relates to applying the law to the facts of this case with the conspiracy definitions. So the objections overruled on that. The paragraph four, the court will take the S off the crimes and make that singular. We'll modify paragraph six B to be a number one instead of a Roman numeral one fix that as well. The courts considered the additional objections lodged by the defense on instruction number 32 and will overrule those objections as previously stated on the other conspiracy counts that were argued earlier. Uh, let's next look at instruction number 33. No objection from the state. Uh, from the defense. 
Yes, we previously objected to jury instruction 33 because the state uh, yesterday asked for their an amended indictment to clarify what type of theft they were seeking because uh, of uh, different code sections were reflected differently in the indictment and and so uh, whether she's charged with intent to deceive or intent to deprive um, those are those are different those are different meanings so uh, basically jury instruction number 33 says it doesn't matter so it doesn't matter why I seek out the amended indictment so that's why we object to instruction number 33 all right response from the state on that Thank you, Your Honor. And this is very similar to jury instruction 27 that we previously discussed regarding that language. The state's position would be, again, that this would be compliant with the Idaho standard criminal jury instructions. It is also contained within the language in the indictment. I know there's been reference back to that amendment made to the indictment multiple times. The amendment was made to correct a clerical error regarding a code section, not the language itself. So it would be reflective of what's in the indictment. Generally speaking, under theft, the theft can be committed by either taking, withholding, or detaining. So the jury instruction just simply indicates that either or any of those could be an option. I don't think that that is in opposition to what has been presented in the indictment and, again, is allowed under the Idaho criminal uh, standard criminal jury instructions. All right, I'm just uh, rereading this instruction. All right, I've considered the argument uh, from the defense on instruction number 33. Um, there is some, some case law that also talks about jury instructions. Uh, there's a case, State versus Lees. Uh, it's an Idaho Court of Appeals case. I don't have a good site, but it's 3641-6210 Westlaw 9587784. But anyway, it cites two other cases, uh, the Severson case, 147 Idaho at 710, and talks about instructions that are on the nature and elements of the crime charged and essential legal principles applicable to the evidence that has been admitted. So I think uh, it is within the uh, discretion of the court to allow for instructions that also go towards uh, the nature of the evidence that's been admitted in the case and not only the charging documents. I'll also note that in this instruction, this is specific to count seven, which is the grand theft charge, which was not, let me review that, I think on that, was that charge amended as part of the amended information? 
to change the code site? No, Your Honor. That, in, within the indictment, I think that one had, oh, I'm, just one moment. It does have the two, 2403-2A code site. Yes, I'm looking at the amended indictment as if it were the original, so I apologize, Your Honor. I was double-checking that. It was amended, but I would note the language in there has always contained the by deceit with intent to deprive another, and then it goes on to eventually say wrongfully take, obtain, or withhold, and I believe that that is indicative of the same language within the jury instruction. All right. Well, having considered that in the language of the indictment, the court finds that instruction 33 is a proper and standard jury instruction also from the Idaho criminal jury instructions and would apply given the evidence that's been admitted in this case to help instruct the jury to appropriately apply the law to the facts of this case. So instruction number 33 will be given. Let's next look at instruction number 34. The state has no objection, Your Honor. All right. From the defense. Instruction number 34 does not contain the same language as the indictment from the grand jury regarding the elements of grand theft. All right. What's the response from the state? Your Honor, the state's position is this would conform with the evidence that was presented at trial, and it also conforms with the Idaho standard criminal jury instructions. In looking at it, again, it does have that common scheme or plan language that, again, as the state had indicated, dealt with the venue issue, which is a preliminary matter, and we believe that the language in what's charged does comport with what is in the jury instruction, although it may have different language that it comports. On this instruction, the court did review the language of the amended indictment as well as the standard jury instruction, which was Idaho criminal jury instruction 543, and went through to make sure that all of the appropriate elements of that 
offense are contained in the instruction. It's the way the statutes set it out for the theft statutes. They're kind of mixed in between the types of theft, theft by deception, and then you have to go to the definition section above that also. And so looking through that, the standard instruction 543 pulls those things together to cover the elements. So because this is based on the 543 instruction and having confirmed the language in the indictment, the court does find that the instruction properly instructs the jurors as to both the elements of the offense as well as comports with the evidence that's been admitted in the case for the jury to consider. So considering all that, the court will overrule the objection of the defense and jury instruction number 34 will be provided. Let's next look at instruction number 35. The state has no objection. Well, and we can discuss, there is also a, this gets to the verdict form. So once this is completed, we'll include a printed, well, we'll include the content of the verdict form will be part of instruction 35, but of course there will only be a single verdict form that will be provided to the jurors for the presiding officer to sign. The court did submit a proposed copy of a verdict form. So since we're on this instruction now with a, that would contain the sample verdict, if you have any comments relating to the proposed verdict form, let's take those up along with instruction number 35. So starting with the state, do you have any comments on the verdict form? Yes, your honor. With regard to question number two, we would propose that the and grand theft by deception with the question and grand theft by deception be removed. And with regard to question number four, similarly, we would request that and grand theft by deception be removed on that one. And then same on question number five, the and grand theft by deception be removed. I believe those are the only proposed changes by the state. All right. And then for the contents of instruction 35, any objections to the way that reads short of the verdict form? No objection to the way the instruction reads. All right. And looking at, I'll hear from the defense here in a minute, but that does need to be corrected. The grand theft by deception language that's not part of the charges will be removed on those verdict forms. We'll get another proposed verdict form to you before it's provided to the jurors in the morning and make those amendments on that verdict form. Let me hear from the defense now, noting those changes that will be made on the verdict form to comport with the charging language of the indictment. Do you have any comments, Mr. Archibald? In the questions it asks, is she guilty or not guilty? And then the check of the boxes is not guilty or guilty. So those kind of seem backwards if they're going to be consistent. 
So that's all I'd note and question, well, all six questions. The question is, is she guilty or not guilty? But then when you check the boxes, it says not guilty or guilty, so it's just switched. Uh, so we'd, a we'd ask that the questions uh, say not guilty or guilty to be consistent with the boxes that they check. Okay. We're going to redraft the verdict form. We'll take out those. Uh, I, I agree it makes sense to have some uniformity between how the language reads versus the options below. So we'll incorporate those changes as well. Uh, we'll get you a proposed revised verdict form uh, by the end of today. And if you have any further questions on it, I'll allow any comments on that before the jurors are brought in and provided the final instructions uh, tomorrow morning. And then we also had a question about accessory after the fact. Okay. I'll take that up. Uh, let's finish the last couple of instructions, and then we can go to your proposed accessory instruction. <coughs> so 36 is a standard instruction I believe council agreed to yesterday. Is there any objection on 36? Not from the state, Your Honor. Thank you. From the defense? No. No objection. Okay, 36 will be provided. 37 is a instruction about exhibits and any objection on the way that's written now from the state? No objection from the state, Your Honor. Any objection from the defense on 37? No objection. All right, that will be provided. Jury instruction 38 is an instruction for the jurors to select a presiding officer. It's a standard instruction. Any objection from the state? No objection from the state. All right. From the defense, any objection? No objection. That will be provided. And then finally, the uh, final instruction on 39 on uh, deliberations and how those are done is from the standard instruction. Any response on 39 from the state? No objection from the state. For the defense? No objection. All right. So the next issue we'll take up then as it relates to a proposal that the uh, court include an accessory instruction in this case. Um, Mr. Archibald, I haven't seen a proposed instruction, but you've argued uh, for one that was, I think it's, the instruction number 310 of the criminal jury instructions you wanted? Yes. Uh, I know criminal jury instruction 310 uh, is a reflection of Idaho Code section 18-205. A person who knows a felony was committed and willfully conceals it from a peace officer is guilty as an accessory. So there has been uh, evidence submitted during this case uh, that a reasonable uh, jury could conclude that that if she's not guilty of murder, she's certainly guilty of knowing a felony was committed and lied about it to police. And so the accessory... Uh, charge here 
even though she's not charged with accessory, we believe it's a reasonable interpretation uh, for the jury to consider that rather than if they if they do not convict her on murder. All right, so if the instruction were given as to which counts would you request that would apply to? I think it would apply to all of them, except the grand theft. Uh, so count one, if, if the jury believes, well, she didn't kill anybody, but she certainly lied about it. Um, I think that would apply to counts one, two, three, four, and five. And then count seven, uh, the grand theft so, uh, of Social Security funds probably would not apply to that, but it would ap apply to uh, counts one through five. All right. Uh, I'd like to hear some response then from the state on whether or not in instruction in conformity with criminal jury instruction 310 would be appropriate in the case. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, the state's position is that it would not be appropriate. Essentially, it's being requested as a lesser included offense instruction for several of the counts here. In looking at Rome v. State 164, Idaho 407, that's an Idaho Supreme Court case from 2018, when we look at the language in that, it's a little bit different of specifically what was being determined. In that one, they were attempting to include accessory after the fact as a lesser included of an aiding and abetting, but that would lead into a jury instruction providing that you don't consider the differences necessarily between aiding and abetting and principles with certain things. But the bigger part of it, I think, and what we would indicate is that one offense is not considered a lesser included of another unless it is necessarily so under the statutory definition of the crime. And further, an offense will be deemed to be a lesser included offense of another greater offense if all the elements required to sustain a conviction of the lesser included offense are included within the elements needed to sustain a conviction of the greater offense. As a result, an offense is not a lesser included if it is possible to commit the greater offense without committing the lesser offense. And when we look at accessories defined and specifically the Idaho Code 18205, all persons or accessories who, having knowledge that a felony has been committed, willfully withhold or conceal it from a peace officer, judge, magistrate, grand jury, or trial jury. In no way are those elements required to prove conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and grand theft. They're not required to prove conspiracy to commit murder, or they're not contained within those elements, and they are not required for grand theft, which I think the defense has recognized that, and they are not required to prove first-degree murder, and especially under the theory of a principle. In no way are there, is there an element that a person having knowledge withhold or conceal that as a requirement to prove one of the greater offenses. 
So if we follow the rationale of the Idaho Supreme Court in Rome v. State, accessory after the fact would not be an appropriate lesser included. So to include that instruction would only confuse the jury. In addition, when we look at 310, there's actually a comment there indicating that it shouldn't just stand alone without more. And if I may have just one moment. Yes. So given, again, looking at that standard jury instruction in conjunction with the 18205, Idaho Code 18205 that it mirrors, and then looking at the case law from the Idaho Supreme Court, it simply is not an appropriate jury instruction and would only lead to confuse the issues and confuse the jury because it is not an appropriate lesser included offense. So for those reasons, we would request that the court deny the defense request to have that jury instruction added. All right, any response from the defense before I make a ruling on this proposed instruction? No, Your Honor. All right, the courts uh, considered the defense request to include the accessory instruction. As noted, it wouldn't apply uh, to the count seven grand theft charge because that uh, charge is only as against the defendant here. The accessory instruction talks about uh, another person, so it talks about the other the person charged. If you willfully conceal, a, a, it says a person who knows a felony was committed and willfully conceals it and protects or protects the person charged is guilty as an accessory. Uh, I've considered the argument by the state for the rationale stated in Rome versus state about whether or not it's an appropriate lesser included offense and considering the evidence that's been presented as well as uh, the in this case the just the evidence by the case in chief and there wasn't a defense case put on uh, other than through cross-examination I've considered that looking at the elements charged in those conspiracy counts and the murder counts. Um, also, the court has to consider that with the conspiracy charges and the way the conspiracy law is defined, where someone can join a conspiracy later, uh, the accessory instruction, I think, would not be applicable when the conspiracy charges have been charged on counts one uh, I think it's one, three, and five. I'll also note the evidence um, in this case was that the defendant was part of the conspiracy from the time before any of these alleged acts were committed. There wasn't any direct evidence that there was no knowledge of this um, before the alleged acts that are charged in Counts one, counts three, and five for the conspiracy charges. So I'd find it would be an inappropriate instruction for those. And then also as it relates to the other charges, um, two and four for the murder charges, again, 
the evidence would have to support for the jurors to find that there was one, some knowledge of the defendant, and I don't really recall any evidence directly relating to any express knowledge. There's circumstantial evidence, but that would indicate that knowledge only would have occurred after the fact. So all the allegations were the knowledge occurred before and after. And looking at that as well as the elements of conspiracy, and again the comment in the instruction under 310, which cites the State v. Teasley case and also the Rome v. State case the State has cited to, I think that it would be an instruction that would not properly advise the jurors of the evidence that's been here as it relates to the charges, as well as I think it would potentially confuse the jurors as well. So the court is going to deny, based on the evidence that was presented in trial, the defense request for an accessory instruction, and the court determined that would not be appropriate here. For those reasons, then, we're not going to allow for the accessory instruction as either a freestanding option or to be in combination with the charges in the case. So that will be the ruling on that request. Counsel, we do have a new proposed verdict form that's ready to be reviewed. Why don't we take a quick recess, maybe for just five or ten minutes, and then we can come back on the record and go back to the verdict form. I'll get a copy provided to you, and then we can determine whether that's sufficient. All rise. Thank you. Please be seated. Okay, we're back on the record on case CR 22-211624, State of Idaho v. Lori Noreen-Vallow. We took a recess while we redrafted the proposed verdict form. I just wanted to go through that issue again before we conclude. So that would relate to our jury instruction number 35, which would contain within that instruction the content of this proposed form. So has the State seen the revised verdict form now? Yes, Your Honor. Does the State have any comments on the verdict form or approve the verdict form as it's now written? We approve the verdict form as written. All right. Has the defense been able to review that? Yes, Your Honor. All right. Does the defense have any comment on the verdict form or any suggested further edits? You know, just reading the verdict form, it sure seems like question number six is pretty similar to question one and three, where they all contain the same charge of grand theft. All right. The counts are as set forth in the indictment. 
So six is a question as it relates to count seven of the indictment, which is the grand theft charge. So that, yeah, that's my only obs observation. I realize that's how they charged it. All right. Understood. So, um, counsel, the court will intend to provide that as incorporated in that instruction 35. If there's any other revisions or rulings, the court will put up those on the record in the morning before our closing arguments. The court also will, um, before the jury comes in, plan on uh, finalizing the ruling on the criminal rule 29 motion that was argued and taken under advisement. And then we will, uh, assuming that uh, allows us to move forward with closings. If so, then we'll have closings starting tomorrow morning. Is there anything else we need to bring up this? Uh, one other point, actually, I wanted to mention, Council. On the information, which will be the amended, I'm sorry, I keep saying information, but it's the indictment. On the amended indictment, uh, the jurors have not had a copy of that previously provided. They've been read from it in the instructions, but they will in deliberations have a copy of that. The court would intend to redact out the count uh, counts six and eight and nine that relate only to Chad Daybell and the defendants not charged with. I think just leaving those in there may create some unnecessary confusion for jurors since those counts are not being considered. I'd like to hear if there's any comment on that plan to redact those uncharged counts as against this defendant from the amended indictment before it's provided to the jurors. Your Honor, the state wouldn't have an objection to that. I guess the only thing that I would indicate is I'm not sure if those are going to show as redacted or if the court is considering renumbering the indictment counts in order to match up with the questions because the verdict form will have a different number associated with it than the indictment will by redacting out those counts. So that would be the only concern at all is if we could agree to potentially modify that for purposes of handing it to the jury, just those count numbers to match up with the question numbers. Yeah, um, in thinking through that, I think what we would do is simply, you know, physically redact a copy of the indictment by removing that with a notation so the jurors understand it was redacted by the court so they don't wonder why that's blacked off of their the counts would remain the same as they are in the instructions and as they are in the indictment um, so it would track with what we've already put together. Um, so I think that would alleviate that concern. Does the defense have any objection to the redaction of the Chad Daybell counts in the indictment? Would the court also delete his name from the indictment in the title? And, Your Honor, if the court could be heard on that, if the court is considering that. Yeah, go ahead. 
I think that would only confuse the issue and confuse the jurors because then they're going to see missing counts and wonder why. I think with his name on there, they may be able to piece it together easier. So if we're going to modify the indictment that much, I wonder if it wouldn't be cleaner than to just have an amended indictment approved for handing to the jury where we only have her name and then we number the counts to match up with the questions. Because as it is now, the, the counts won't completely match up with the questions on the verdict form, which I think could be confusing. And then if we take his name off and we just have blanked out spaces. Well, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any change of the numbering. If we're, we're just blocking off what's already in the indictment. So, But I believe we'd be taking off count six. And so if we take off count six, then question six will actually end up referring to count seven in the indictment. And and I don't know. If, but that's the way it's written in the verdict form. It says in regards to count seven of the indictment. It just said question six, though. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that was the only concern. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure the verdict form corresponds as well as the counts in the jury instructions to what's just in the indictment. Um, that suggestion by the defense to remove the name also uh, on the caption I think is a well-taken point to avoid any further confusion. Obviously, the name uh, would remain in there that because the, the case being tried is not his case, and so I think it should be removed just from that part of the caption. However, his name would remain in, like, the preliminary statement before count one and other counts that are charged so the conspiracies under count one uh, his name within the other counts two and three so I do think for purposes of clarifying the record that coming off of the caption there is also appropriate so the court will get for counsel a copy of that redacted indictment and have that submitted to you before it's provided to the jurors also before uh, we start with argument tomorrow morning All right, counsel, thanks for your time. Is there anything else we need to bring up then this afternoon from the state? Not from the state, Your Honor. Thank you. All right, thank you. Anything from the defense? No, Your Honor. Okay, thanks. We'll be in recess till tomorrow morning.